Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Fledger, and I am thrilled to be here today with Tim Whitaker, who runs the new evangelical social media and the podcast, which helps create a space for people to wrestle with their faith and what it means and what we do with it. The goal of the podcast is to push the evangelical church forward and rethink approaches to cultural issues. Thank you for coming on the show, Tim. Thanks for having me. It means a lot. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. I've been following you for a while, and I've been really excited when you agreed um, to come on the podcast. And I always love to have a diverse group of people on the podcast. I have atheists. I have Christians. I have agnostics. I have people from different faith grounds because I think it's important for us to see and learn from those different perspectives and experiences and see how they all can relate and know that there's different paths that people can take too. And, and so, you know, I know this show is about getting into people's personal stories and also how that relates um, to the work that they're doing now. And I think, you know, I want to dig into your story and how it influenced your vision um, for the social media and podcasts and new evangelicals of kind of changing evangelicalism and bring it in a new direction, I guess, a more progressive, more loving way. Um, I think also like, I, I'm assuming like as a reaction to like the dark side we've seen of evangelicals with like the 2016 election and all that. And so I guess for the first question, I guess, I'm just curious, what was your childhood like um, regarding religion and your experiences and how that led you here? I mean, overall, it was great. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was fundamentalist for sure. It was conservative yeah. for sure. Um, I was homeschooled for nine years, but I mm -hmm. had great parents in my life. Um, my mom who homeschooled us gave us a lot of time to be kids and to explore and to be very hands-on. I started playing music at an early age. I still play professionally today. Um, so, so certainly definitely not one of these stories of like, yeah, my father was this type of person at church, but mm -hmm. in his personal life was abusive. That was not a no. thing in my life. Mm -hmm. um, my, my dad was great. You know, he worked really hard. I grew up in a small business working with him in construction. Um, but definitely, I mean, like, like I said, definitely fundamentalist, right? Definitely a sense of, um, hey, yeah, those, charis those charismatic people over there, you know, that's that's kind of demonically influenced the speaking <laughs> in tongues. And the Catholics definitely not saved, um, yeah. you know, and like just stick to the Bible kind of thing. Um, so that was how I grew up. And I was all in. I mean, I was always committed to being a Jesus follower from an mm -hmm. early age. And yeah. I 
I swam in that water um, all the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I played music in the church. I was a youth group leader in the church. I was a small group leader in the church. You know, you name it. Um, I had all the Awana badges for those of you out oh, there who know what I've Awana is. Mm. It's like a, it's like a, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to describe it to non yeah. evangelicals, but it's essentially just kind of like a, a program that, 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 that churches use to kind of teach kids about the Bible pretty much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you get these little badges as you kind of progress, <laughs> as you get older, I had all of those. Yeah. So that's how I grew up. I mean, fully immersed in this world, um, every way, shape and form, um, through my, my mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting because growing up my church, we had, it, it was called master club. Um, and it was like the different equivalent to Awana and we had the different badges. And what I tell people, I'm like, well, like it's boy scouts slash girl scouts for Christians. (laughs) That's my best way to describe it. With a Um, lot of Bible verse memorization thrown in. (laughs) Oh, yes, a lot. So much. Yeah. And yeah, like I I was heavily involved in similar stuff to that too, um, growing up and, um, I definitely relate to, to like, kind of like that us versus them mindset, which is very common. In a lot of churches, like I was also taught that Catholics were going uh, to hell and, um, which is interesting. And I was told weird things like Catholics, they worship Mary. Um, right. <laughs> and you know, I've, I've talked to Catholics like, no, we don't worship Mary. We just have reverence and respect <laughs> for her. <laughs> <laughs> right right um and so it's just interesting hearing different backgrounds of like talking to the other that you were taught taught about you know what i mean yes and then they're like oh i was taught that you were going to hell too <laughs> like we're both pointing at each other like kind of like the the it reminds me of that spider-man meme where it's all three yeah. are all pointing at each other like what they're like you you're going to hell that like, is really accurate because i remember we i posted um a, a clip of uh, i mean for the circles that they're involved with a well-known like you know uh for the gospel kind of uh ministry and they posted you know are catholics really saved and the guy was pretty much mm-hmm. said on video like well if they were really saved um they would they would stop being catholic kind of oh, thing right no. and then i posted this people were like oh my god that's so funny and then i also mentioned that you know again i grew up being taught that charismatics people who speak in tongues are demonic mm-hmm. and then yeah. i had people who who grew up charismatic saying well that's funny because we were taught that 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 you never had the holy spirit and we weren't, yes. weren't really filled so there was a lot of that like finger pointing yes it's interesting <laughs> and like i was i was taught that too with them the speaking in tongues and i remember going to my church's christian camp in the summer and these couple of girls and they were visiting from a different church of the camp they just started speaking in tongues um during the service and the a couple of church staff led them out of the service and like took them in a room is like this is demonic you are evil like you cannot <laughs> oh yeah and yep. sounds about right <laughs> i'm sure they traumatized those poor little girls but like i'm sure those girls were taught that if they don't have that then they're not saved and like i've talked to people who spoke in tongues and they're like hey like i faked it just to conform and feel accepted um and to make people think that and you know i was scared to not because there was so much shame around not speaking in tongues because that meant you weren't filled or weren't saved and had the holy spirit and like it was funny i recently saw this viral video of like um of a church and there's just i think it was like a woman leader or spiritual leader or something and she's going around like touching people and they're like fainting and it's very clear that they're faking it 
um, to conform or make people think that they're spiritual and so she starts going around and one lady will not faint and like the lady like basically like shoves her on the ground like go with the flow i have the power bitch like faint faint or die yes uh so it's, it's definitely interesting to see um and understand the psychology kind of behind social groups and conformity and behavior and what people do um to conform for acceptance and community and so um, I know that religious trauma is something that a lot of people experience. And I know we were talking earlier, you said that you didn't, well, you didn't realize it when you were in it, but there were some things you realized when you got older that was religious trauma. And I'm curious what that is and how did you yeah. realize that? So this is kind of like a new thought for me. I, I've only had this thought maybe like for a few days now. So it's still mm, pretty fresh. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting to be honest with you. Um, and I do want to clarify that not all trauma is the same or has the same consequences. So yeah. I was mm -hmm. not abused by someone. I was not sexually abused by someone. This is not what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's very much, very much. So I think a different level of, yeah. uh, of abuse. So I'm certainly not mm -hmm. trying to hijack that terminology and, yeah. and make it seem like what happened to me is just as intense as what, as what has happened to so many. Um, but, you know, I had this realization that, um, yeah, how do I explain this? Okay, so I was a part of an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship, CEF. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they are uh, a group that is designed to just essentially proselytize boys and girls with the gospel. They're focused on yeah. getting kids saved. And I was a part of their organization. They're an international organization and they teach you like how to lead kids to Christ. And it involves like going yeah. through what they call a wordless book where you kind of, you're, you explain the quote unquote gospel that, you know, they're yeah. bad people and that they need Jesus. And like, I just did this as a youth group kid thinking like, this is what you do. Like we want to get kids saved. And I, we, we, mm -hmm. we would I remember like um, celebrating the, the decisions for Christ at the end of every one. Yeah. And then I realized too, I remember them saying like, Hey, please pray for us because we are going before the Supreme court to, to, to fight for our right to get this inside this public school system mm, to host yeah. these, they're called good news clubs after mm. school for kids. I'm like, yeah, oh I'm definitely going to pray for this. I remember gonna, that. Oh my yes. God. My, my church would do that too. They talked about this. Damn. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I was getting, I mean, the, the, the person who was in charge of our state, I knew the family very well. They grew up on my block. We were, I'm still good friends with the son. He's, he has his PhD now. So, you know, as a child though, this was like my world. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to pray because we want to be able to preach the gospel in schools. And as I'm, I'm reading this book actually by uh, journalist, Catherine Stewart on good news clubs. And I'm reading it. I'm like, oh my God. Like I was indoctrinated mm. to like save kids from the pit of hell by, yeah. by, by walking them through like this wordless book and, mm -hmm. and, and by trying to get our religion into the public school system and to get it prioritized over other yeah. religions, which yes. is like so offensive to so many other people who are not yes. like me. Mm -hmm. And so I've had like I, this kind of clicked all in one moment for me, maybe a few days ago where I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this idea of proselytization for the sake mm -hmm. of getting people saved so they don't burn in hell forever. Like that was deeply ingrained. Oh, and I, I yes. repeated it. Like I, mm. I took it in and then I spit it back out saying, great, I will now do that. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting to think about it like that, where it's like, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, again, I wasn't emotionally or physically abused by someone, but I was taught like such a narrow religious mm -hmm. view that pretty much said like anyone except for us 
is going to hell. Like Catholics yeah. definitely going to hell. Muslims, they're definitely going to hell. Yeah. Charismatics, 50-50. You know, it, it really depends. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not going to hell, but definitely demonically influenced, right? And uh -huh. so like, I'm just kind of processing that idea of like, oh my goodness, like I grew mm -hmm. up in a pretty narrow, mm -hmm. even for Christians, a pretty narrow fundamental yes. sect. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to work through that, you know, kind of in real time with yeah. you, but that that definitely is, is something that I've realized, like, that's pretty damn traumatic. Yes, that is. And I relate to that too, but like, I remember again, Christian camp. I feel like a lot of like religious trauma happens in Christian camps, but at my church's Christian camp, I remember um, sitting in one of the services and they would have like three or four services a day at this camp. And it, I think it was like a night service. And I remember sitting there and this, um, I think it was like the youth pastor's wife was like, she wasn't preaching, she was teaching a lesson. <laughs> Because in fundamentalism, right. women don't preach. They teach of course lessons. Not. <laughs> right. She was teaching a lesson. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was a very dramatic um, storyteller. And in her lesson, or really sermon, um, she was really talking, it was like about uh, proselytizing and getting people saved and getting people to go to heaven. And um, she talked about how that, you know, looking at all these kids who are like third through sixth grade, maybe, no, I guess eighth grade, eighth grade, and telling them like, you could be the reason that someone burns forever. If you don't share the gospel with them, you could be the reason. And she started like acting like she was burning in hell, like, oh God, someone. And it was just so traumatic, like psychologically. That is horrible. And like, she's like screaming and like crying or pretending to cry at least. And it's just wailing. And I'm just sitting there like, fuck. And like, I bought into it at that age. And I'm like, and it gave me so much um, anxiety um, because it left such a strong emotional impact. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like if I don't share the gospel to everyone that I possibly can, I could be the reason someone burns forever. And that was, that's too much for children. And that's too much for anyone, I think, psychologically. Um, to have put on them. And it's just very, I think, psychologically and emotionally abusive right. in general. And, and, you know, and for anyone who doesn't know what religious trauma is, I did a short little episode on it, but I'm going to quickly give a definition for new listeners. But religious trauma is a group of symptoms that arise in response to traumatic or stressful religious experiences. Um, it's common among people who escape cults, fundamentalist groups, abusive religious settings, um, pain or painful experiences in religion and symptoms include like <clears throat> reduced thinking, trouble making decisions, anxiety, anger, depression, grief, nightmares, disassociation, um, feeling lost, and just many symptoms of PTSD. So a lot of different mental health things involved um, with religious trauma in response to these events. And um, and I think you know it's it's good to have those realizations about those things. Yeah. Um, as you're growing and processing like i'm still having realizations um about things as i've been in therapy and like i'm just curious have you ever been to therapy oh yeah <laughs> you're like fuck yeah hell yeah i've been in therapy <laughs> good i always i always encourage like everyone needs to go to therapy like please yeah for um, sure yeah so like i'm just curious what kind of therapist do you go to like what um well, you know, my my um, interaction with therapy started a couple of years ago when 
out of the blue, almost like a light switch. I just hit this wall of like massive panic and anxiety. I mean, it was, mm. I, I was still very much evangelical. Like I have, I still don't know exactly what caused it. Um, but it was like a light switch. Um, and, uh, that was my first time being like, something is wrong. I don't have categories yet for terms like anxiety, uh, mm-hmm. ruminating thoughts, you know, and the idea of therapy, like only sick people go to therapy, you know, like yeah. who goes to therapy unless you're really depressed. I'm like, well, I'm not mm-hmm. depressed. I'm not going to therapy, yeah. but eventually it wore me down. You know, I mean, I, I lost 30 pounds in one month. I was oh, just totally fun. like not myself. And I, mm-hmm. I started seeing like a Christian counselor and he was helpful, but then I saw uh, a secular yeah. psychologist and that was the beginning of like where I really turned the corner. Yeah. Um, and so since then, I've always like just had, I, I, I'm not currently in like scheduled therapy, but I know mm-hmm. I'm at the point now where I know when I start, when I know oh, when mm-hmm. I'm going to need it. Right. I and so when, when that happens, I'm like, okay, I need to go like go back to my therapist maybe have a session or two, kind of get these thoughts out mm-hmm. before yeah. they snowball into another yes. panic attack or whatever mm-hmm. it is. You know, for me, yeah. a lot of it is just ruminating thoughts. So thoughts that just circle your head that you kind of can't get yourself to stop yeah. thinking about. So yeah. that's what I have a hard time with. Or for a while, for a while it was health anxiety. So things like that. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in therapy and uh, oh, yes, great. and getting help. And yeah, it's just very yes. helpful to have that. Mm, yeah. For me, when I left religion that was like the first thing I did I was like all right let's go to therapy because I, I I knew I needed it for a while but I'm life just wasn't it wasn't just the right timing and then when I began to finally like prioritize my mental health that's when I really started going and like I think yeah I started back in January of this year um and it's been really great and I'll, I'll just I'll probably be in therapy consistently the rest of my life which is yeah. fine like I love it it's it's so helpful and I wish more people, and I think honestly more people are, um, since the pandemic especially, are starting um, to go to therapy and is thankfully that I think that stigma is being removed from it, especially I feel like through millennials and Gen Z um, pushing um, the recognition of like mental health and how we, we need to recognize our emotions and take care of ourselves. Um, and so I'm just curious, what other um tough experiences or negative experiences you have growing up or like was that the main one that was hard for you well i mean i i had a pretty easy white evangelical man life yeah Uh, right i mean you kind of are able to you're always in positions of power whatever you want to do if you work hard enough you 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 can do it there's no other obstacle there um and any church will ordain you if you want it to be ordained right um so Mm -hmm. i didn't really have a lot of like major problems like that I, i would say um Honestly, like I, I I was very committed. I mean, it wasn't yeah. until later on in my mid twenties, late twenties, that I really started going, "Oh shit!" Like something is is way mm-hmm. wrong here, yeah. um, you know. And and that's where things shifted for me. I, well, mm-hmm. they started when I was eighteen, but they really the dam broke, so to speak, really mm-hmm. in 2016. Uh, and then oh. moving on to when I started New Evangelicals. But yes. yeah, as far as my upbringing, though, it, overall, really, I have nothing bad to say about it. Besides, yeah. it was very fundamentalist, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Tell me about like your journey of your faith from 18 years old to now. And like, how has that progressed and things you've deconstructed? And really, through that deconstruction, your journey, how did that lead you to create the New Evangelicals? 
Yeah, well, I didn't even know that the term deconstruction was a term till like to, mm. until I started doing this account. Okay, so oh, up, wow. up until this point, I didn't know that that deconstruction was a thing. When I was eighteen, so I'm 33 now, so it's, it's a little mm-hmm. while ago. But when I was 18, um, I was part of a really beautiful like um, college age community group called Eleventh Hour. Um, mm. That it was not part of a church; it was really our own thing, and it was honestly like really good. Still very yeah. intense, still very you know gospel centric. It wanted to mm-hmm. you know fight for God kind of thing, but really like amazing people, um, open dialogue, able to wrestle through things. And that was the beginning of, of me and some of the people there really asking the question, like, well, what, what is church? Like, what is Mm -hmm. the church and why are we so event centered? And, and the evangelical church is is just so problematic right now. Mm -hmm. Again, no, this wasn't about the theology. It was more about, about, about the institution Mm -hmm. of church. So Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of my time in my years asking those questions. I mean, I remember every Wednesday night, I would have 15 people come over. We had a huge whiteboard. We just go to town to start asking questions and just start That's thinking great. about it. Mm-hmm. It was great. And yeah. a lot of them are still very close friends of mine today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm grateful for, for those people in my life and for the experience, but that kind of set me on a path of like, keep exploring, keep going. And I was still very conservative. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I was not affirming at this yeah. point. Um, you know, I was reading, um, I would read Paul Washer. He's a really fundamentalist um, uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, preacher, but I, I, I was also reading Rob Bell at the mm. same time. So I'm like, okay, I'm, re- yeah. I'm reading John Piper, reading Brian McLaren. I, I'm just kind of getting like th- this feel of yeah. trying to feel around, right? Like, okay, what am I actually Different touching perspectives. here? Yeah. yeah. Um, but not realizing like how, <laughs> much they did they did not like each other yeah um but uh, that kept on going and you know i i kept growing and eventually in 2016 when trump got really even the nomination that was a, a watershed moment for me where i said hmm, mm-hmm. um i thought that if we shared the same beliefs as evangelicals we'd share mm-hmm. the same values but i'm realizing that we are not sharing the same values yeah even though we're claiming the same beliefs. And mm-hmm. the the moment that is really seared into my head is when the um, Access Hollywood tapes came out from Trump, you know, where he's telling how oh. he wants to grab women by the crotch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was leaked. I'm thinking, well, this actually is, is I'm glad this came out because um, evangelicals do not tolerate sexual impurity. We, we know this, you know, sexual purity yeah. is a big mm-hmm. fucking deal yeah. uh, when it comes to white evangelicalism and, and you know, not having mm-hmm. sex before marriage, especially not assaulting women and admitting it, admitting yeah. that, that you're just grabbing them by the crotch. Like that is an, I remember when Bill Clinton, you know, had an affair in the White House. Yeah. And these evangelicals said, no, sir. This is not good for the country. So yeah. I'm expecting like the end of Trump. Okay, perfect. He's he, mm-hmm. goodbye. Um, and then Jerry Falwell says, no, 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 no. We need a commander in chief, not a pastor in chief. And evangelicals go, you're right. You're right. You're right. This is, mm-hmm. you're right, Jerry. Like we, yeah, he's not perfect, but like he's going to save the country. Mm-hmm. And that's where I went like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Because the people that I knew as a child who raised me, who taught me about, about how important, you know, sex in marriage was and mm-hmm. sex outside of marriage is so bad are now telling me to vote for a guy who's on the cover of Playboy, who's on yeah. his third marriage, who's grabbing women by the crotch. You yeah. are, you expect you expect me just to change my view all of a sudden and say yeah. okay it's okay now so that was really that moment of like red alert something mm-hmm. is really wrong here and that just sent me down a path of like 
what is happening to my faith tradition? What is happening to the churches, to the people um, that, that, that I thought were, were teaching me about God's infallible objective truth, right? About, mm-hmm. about yeah. how God is love and God wants to save people from hell because he's so loving. And now you're telling me that Trump is the guy that, that we have to support when he, is the, he embodies mm. none of these things, none. So that was a big moment. Um, and then um, as 2016 turned to 2017, 2018, mm, yeah. and then, you know, the, the lynching of Ahmaud Arbery happened, the murder of yeah. Taylor happened, the, bring, mm. the murder of George Floyd happened. Um, yeah. And then I'm watching pastors that I know, pastors in my circles, oh. tweeting Candace Owens talking points. Uh. I'm like, what the hell? Like, yeah. I don't understand what is happening yeah. to the Christians in my circles. Like mm-hmm. someone was gunned down. They were all unarmed. Like, are you, we have a major problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that really shifted my perspective on race. And I started going, you know, like maybe yeah. something is wrong here. Obviously I'm late to the party. I think a lot of us are, but we're trying to do our mm-hmm. damnedest to, to, yeah. uh, to repent, you mm-hmm. know, for our complicity in those systems. I didn't know yeah. that white mm-hmm. evangelicalism was inherently white supremacy. I yeah. didn't know that they, it was steeped in racism historically. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. But once you know, you have to do something about it. So I think when that all happened and then, you know, the cherry on top, we, we, we get hit with the pandemic. And this, mm. and this is kind of where we start getting to why I started New Evangelicals. You know, the whole country shuts down. Of course, evangelicals are don't mask us. It's a yeah. pandemic. This is things mm. rigged. It's not yeah. that serious. This is a government overreach, blah, blah, blah. And then I see Sean Foyt. Do you know who Sean Foyt is? No, I do not. Who is that? John Foy is a worship leader. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he starts doing these, the, these, these, these worship gatherings in forms of protesting um, lockdowns. So he is, he's going to major cities uh-huh. with thousands of people oh, praising Jesus without masks saying, we're not going to be ruled by the government. And I'm mm-hmm. looking, I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is a worship leader, right? Who is singing these songs mm-hmm. that I play in my church as a drummer, yeah, praising God, saying, don't tread on me during a pandemic that now we know has killed over a million Americans, a million. And so I was sitting on my porch watching this and I'm like, you know, I'm just so frustrated. I said, we need a new evangelical movement. We need new evangelicals. Mm. And that's how I thought of the name. I go, you know, Tim, you have a lot of bad ideas. <laughs> this, one might, this one might be something. So yeah, you should see that. if it's taken. And I did. I Googled it. It wasn't on Instagram, wasn't on anywhere. Oh, so I mm-hmm. just grabbed the names. I just picked them up. I grabbed the domain. I, I grabbed it. And yeah. uh, I said, eh, maybe one day I'll start something. And then that that December, I launched the Instagram account. And, and then here we are mm-hmm. uh, a year and a half later. Wow. But um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how I got there. You know, I mean, I... I I tell people like I'm I'm not I'm not in this deconstruction explosion that a lot of us exist in to leave the faith. Some people do, and I yeah. I, I I wish them the best. I support it. If they want yeah. the exit ramp, I totally get why. I yeah. mean, my God, do I do I understand why yeah. you want mm-hmm. nothing to do with this? I get it. But yeah. there are a lot of people who are like, I am still committed to Jesus. That's yeah. why I, I found Trump so problematic. Mm, yeah. you know, that's why I found the, 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 the racial response so problematic yeah. because mm-hmm. it doesn't line up with the Jesus I see either in the Christian tradition yeah. um, or, or in the Bible. Now, I would do want to give a quick caveat. 
I recognize that all of these ideas can be hijacked and used as weapons of oppression. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is not the first time in history where Christians yeah. did these <laughs> shitty, evil, violent, terrible things. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there has also been a remnant throughout that always pushing and critiquing those systems and critiquing the church for getting in bed with the empire, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so there, there is also that faithful side of it as well, that a lot of us are trying to reclaim in our own mm-hmm. circles. And so, you know, that's, that's why we started the account. That's why we started what we do, because a lot of people, they don't want to leave following Jesus. They still mm-hmm. find the way of Jesus beautiful. But yeah. as we're seeing something is really wrong in America in particular with how not only the, only the general population sees evangelicals, but how evangelicals behave that gives the culture a great reason to believe that they are not being sincere when it comes to following Jesus, but instead are more concerned about power, hierarchy, and systemic oppression. Yes, there is like some awesome thing I saw today on Facebook, and I think it relates a little bit to what you're saying, but like, um, I think this is pretty, I've seen this shared a lot, but it's this quote says, and it says it's from where true love is.com, but it says the vast majority of people walking away from Christianity in America are not rejecting the person or works of Jesus. They're rejecting the faulty biblical interpretations that lead to bigotry, oppression, and marginalization. This rejection is not unchristian. It is Christ-like. Um, 100%. So I think that represents a lot of people and like, People who deconstruct are misrepresented a lot by by pastors and spiritual leaders who are scared of it. And you know, for people like in mean, deconstruction, it's up to you what you're deconstructing. Um, you can leave if you want to. You can stay if you want to. You can create your own way, um, find a new denomination, or you know, or just go form your own thing. It's like there's not one way. It's what's best yeah. for you. And so, and you know, and that's why I still love having. Christians on this show who are deconstructing, but still found a different path. Um, because I do realize that there are people who want that and they're just like stuck. They just don't know and they need help and guidance and helping to navigate that and work through the toxicity and the oppression of the yeah. system. And really, like, I mean, just looking back at Jesus, like he was so against toxic religion uh, with the Pharisees and how they were all constantly just about rules and they were just so hateful like rules mattered more than people really that's what i noticed with the therapy um pharisees and that's what i notice a lot today with evangelicalism and fundamentalist christianity is that these beliefs or at least like traditions are put above the well-being of people Oh, I mean, a hundred percent. That's yeah. why, like, you know, that's why it doesn't matter how many queer kids take their own life at the mm. at, at the hands of uh, fundamentalism, that, yeah. because mm-hmm. what's more important is that, is that is that they had the right doctrine. Mm. That's how they see it. I yeah. mean, the data the, the data doesn't lie. I mean, we, we we know how this affects people. We know even in our own American history the effects of white supremacy uh, mm-hmm. and fundamentalist Christianity being in bed uh, mm-hmm. together. You know, we we know how how segregation works. We know yeah. that Jerry Falwell, the founder of the Moral Majority fought um desegregation like hell you know Mm -hmm. so so yes you're totally right you know and Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because a lot of these people now who are fundamentalists like when you bring up that only 60 years ago these same fundamentalists hated black people they go Mm -hmm. oh well they 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 just weren't reading the bible correctly (laughs) how do you know you're reading it now correctly like like okay so so Mm -hmm. let me get this straight you can see clear-eyed 
that, you know, well, Bob Jones just had this whole uh, desegregation thing totally wrong, even though he uh-huh. has sermons saying that the yeah. Bible is emphatically clear about it. And he makes his, his arguments. He's yeah. totally wrong. But you, when it comes to queer people, you're totally right because the mm-hmm. Bible is clear. Like, how do you expect us to believe that? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I do find um, these spaces unable to 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 see their own dissonance mm, right to, yeah they're, un, they're unable to see like how the system is both consistent and also contradictory at the same mm-hmm. exact time yes. right they they just aren't able to see it they they mm-hmm. have what i call bumper sticker christianity like they just have <laughs> they have little lines that that, that they drop well the bible is clear well god says well here's 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 my yeah. my proof text to prove why i'm right and you're wrong of course they don't prove text when it comes to greed or corruption mm. or systemic oppression but when it comes to the gays or whatever else you know abortion yeah. I guess, you know here's my one or two verses and boom that's it bible says mm-hmm. it that settles the kind of thing yeah it's just it's just a very disingenuous i would argue anti-intellectualist take yeah on a very complicated nuance book that might not even mm. might not even have something to say about yeah. about how we see so much of what we do in our culture today mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as far as like a one-to-one ratio goes you know like mm-hmm. the bible doesn't talk about social media why well it wasn't invented then right <laughs> so like why do we expect people to or why do we expect the bible to talk about other things that like again the authors just had no mm-hmm. mindset for like it makes no yeah. sense to me Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I think it's interesting, you know, as I've deconstructed and really dug into the Bible, especially around the LGBTQ issue and learned, especially from Brandon and Robertson, um, who is great about digging to the theology behind that and how um, things have been mistranslated on purpose um, to push an agenda, really. And like homosexuality wasn't a word in the Bible until 1946, which a lot of people um, don't know. Right. And, you know, there's a documentary that's being made about it. And I'm really curious um, to see it when it comes out to dig into that. And so, you know, as we're talking kind of about this topic of like evangelicals using politics to force their agenda, I think, you know, the elephant in the room is like the Supreme Court <laughs> and what's happening with that. Um, you know, it's just. I've, when I got on social media back in January of this year, like I started making posts and warning people about Christian nationalism, and I just didn't know it was going to come this quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been quite a shock, especially like, you know, on June 24th when Roe v. Wade was overturned, and then the Supreme Court made it very clear they were not going to stop there. Right. Um, like they were right. coming for, you know, consensual sex between sitting adults. They're coming for birth control. I don't remember what else. And I know like they're allowing religious funding or funding for religious schools. Um, and it's interesting too, because there's been a lot of confusion on the internet about, um, shocker. <laughs> I know shocker about, um, the, the prayer thing, uh, prayer. Oh, uh, um, that, that happened. Kennedy versus Bremerton. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can speak about that. And I, yeah, I've done a lot of please. research on that one for sure. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, mm-hmm. so yes, first off, you're definitely correct. Um, if, if for those of your listeners who are not Christian or who have, who have not grown up in, in the spaces that maybe you and I have grown up in, if you want to know how we got here, 
You need to look up Christian nationalism. You need to start mm-hmm. reading books about, about yeah. conservative evangelicalism. Look up Franklin Graham. Look oh, yeah. up Ooh. Jerry Falwell. Yeah. Look up um, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah. Look these people up, okay? They, this is yeah. how it is. Look up the moral majority and how it got started. Mm-hmm. So this is not new. Um, mm-hmm. We're certainly seeing the fruits, though, of what yeah. a very devoted group of people have been trying to do for decades, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, Roe v. Wade became a major issue in like the late in like the late seventies, early eighties. It became a major like rallying point to overturn, and they fought like hell to now overturn it. Mm-hmm. And this is not coming from atheists. It's not coming from Hindus. Not from Muslims. It's coming predominantly from white conservative mm-hmm. evangelicals. I mean, that, yes. that I'm not saying that, that 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 there that there are no atheists in the world who have this. View. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But as mm-hmm. far as the funding, the mobilization, yes. the organizations, the political power, you're mm-hmm. looking at conservative white evangelicalism mm-hmm. dead on yeah. when it comes to that. So yeah. in the case of uh, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, here's what happened. And I, I've talked about this. I actually interviewed the the the, the law firm or, or I should say oh, the wow. group. The group that actually litigated this case, I interviewed them on, on my podcast. So you can mm-hmm. listen to the, how all that put, on, on yeah, my podcast. Perfect. I'll put um, that in the show notes with Stephanie Lee. But here's what happened. This is this is a, a combination of sourcing from news, from actual sources, and, and, and then also from Americans United, who was representing the school district. Mm-hmm. There was a coach, um, Coach Kennedy, who after – football games he was a high school uh, football coach after the games he would go to the 50 yard line and he would pray and students would join him he would kneel and they would pray at some point even grew to be to be players from other teams would would join became a whole thing this the public school said listen because we're a public school and because you're wearing our uniform you cannot go out onto the 50 yard line publicly with students and pray it's not a good luck. It's separation of mm-hmm. church and state, First Amendment, however you want to word it. You just can't do that. We cannot be favoring one religion over another. But mm-hmm. you can pray privately. You can pray on the sideline. We can give you a separate room to pray, you know, to meet your religious conviction. We are willing to work with you. Mm-hmm. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep praying at, you know, at the 50-yard line with students mm-hmm. now. The meetings were voluntary, but there is, but a couple of students, including one who was an atheist, said that he felt pressure to pray or else he would lose field time, which uh, makes complete sense because the does. coach is someone in a position of authority, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the coach can tell a student when he's playing and when he's not. And yeah. of course, if you're already the oddball out there, if you're already the oddball kid who's an atheist and all yeah. your friends are Christian and they're praying and you're not, and you know as well as I do mm, that yes. when you grow up in these spaces, you are taught that atheists are ruining America, right? Yeah. So you can imagine all the peer pressure, of course, that's going into this. Mm, yes. So he says, no, I'm not going to stop. The school places him on administrative leave with pay until mm-hmm. they can sort it out. The following year, the coach does not renew his contract. Mm. So he was not fired. He did not renew his contract. He ended up suing the, 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 the school. He lost in all the lower courts. They all sided in the favor of the school system mm-hmm. until a large, powerful group uh, a Christian nationalist group with a lot of funding picked up the case and then brought it to the Supreme Court. So according mm-hmm. to the people who litigated for the school district, um, I guess you can file, and I'm, I'm not a political or uh, a legal expert here, but you can file what's called like um, uh, briefings or like a, a letter for like the friend of the court kind of thing on behalf of the court. And so all the groups that represented um, the, the the high school coach 
they tallied up their war chest. It was a billion dollars in funding, a oh, billion dollars in funding. Okay. Wow. And the Supreme Court ruled in the coach's favor. The Supreme Court yeah. essentially said mm-hmm. that, hey, this, this school coach is allowed to do this. And pretty much the rights of the students or of the minority religious viewpoints be damned, be damned. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we are, you know, and this is that case kind of flew mm-hmm. under the radar because rightfully yeah. still Roe v. Wade was the news. But, yes. this, but, but how do I say this? For decades growing up in these circles, I've been taught that we vote Republican to get the right Supreme Court justices yeah. on the bench to, to change the country. Yes. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what they're doing. And that I is. hate to sound, it almost sounds conspiratorial, right? Because I also grew up, not grew up, but I follow the QAnon movement mm-hmm. pretty closely. I even have their yeah. book right here. It's called oh, wow. The Great Awakening. I've read it. So I follow them. And I know how this sounds. It sounds a little, well, wait, Tim, are you saying there's some kind of shadow funded Christian yes. network trying to destroy the mm-hmm. country? I wouldn't say destroying. I would say they're trying to remake the country in their remake. own image oh. Oh, you know, yeah. to, to make it a, a conservative fundamentalist theocracy. Mm-hmm. And that yes. is true because I grew in like you, I grew up yes. in these spaces. I've heard, mm-hmm. I've heard uh, the, the sermon, yes, you know, same. I mean, mm-hmm. on 4th of July, I I, sat, I I played drums, so I'm proud to be an American. Mm-hmm. I was taught that America was a Christian nation from my yeah. church pulpit for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so this is not. We're not mm-hmm. making this up. Unlike yeah. QAnon, which which really draws on baseless conspiracies that have no grounding in reality. Yeah. Um, there is real grounding here. There are real mm-hmm. organizations that 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 fund these movements. There are real organizations that push propaganda that that mm-hmm. teach pastors how to endorse candidates without breaking 501c3 yes. yes. laws. This is actually mm-hmm. happening. Yes. And so I hate to sound doom and gloom and red alarm here, but my God, this is a red alarm mm-hmm. moment. I mean, yes, it absolutely it is. is. The alarm should be wailing we mm. and, and i should also mention this is not a majority group so yeah. christian nationalism is about 20 percent of the u.s population okay which is still pretty sizable but you know it's it's essentially it's 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 one in five which could be a lot worse and so um mm-hmm. and so the difference though is that they have the power they're well funded yes. they they've embedded themselves into local elections state elections federal mm-hmm. elections i mean even in arizona if you look up like like right now the arizona uh congress um primaries the republicans who are who are campaigning they are like election fraud people like yes election was stolen we have to we have to support i mean it's crazy that this stuff is still being said but it is so anyway i I ranted there but yes we should definitely be concerned 100 percent. yes and it's interesting because you know i i try to be careful when i see headlines for things to not take it um as at face value and do my own research i'm not perfect I have emotional reaction to things. We all have those moments where we retweet things that aren't always factually completely that would be half true and half not true. But you know, when I started digging into this case, it made clear that you know that this code that you know individual religious expression was what what was protected really. And I do think people should be allowed as an individual privately to you know, express their religion. Totally. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, doing it by yourself on a stage with a microphone of people that's not privately <laughs> and you're coercing people into that by doing that. But, you know, I support people, whatever beliefs they have to practice that anywhere, but you can't make or coerce other people into doing that. And like, I know I made some posts about it. There's retweeting some articles and, this Christian 
uh, woman from my past that you know happens to follow me on Instagram. She messages me. She wasn't mean. She was like, "Oh, hey, you really need to like really understand what this ruling is about." Like this is being twisted. And I knew exactly what assumption she was making about me. And I said, I told her, I'm like, listen, I'm like, I'm very aware this is about individual religious expression. And I'm like, I grew up in fundamentalism and I know these people are going to take it so much farther than that. Like they got their foot in the door. They are going to go far with it. Well, David Barton, who's a massive Christian nationalist, after the ruling said, hopefully we can start getting teachers to, 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 to read the Bible in front of students. I'm yes. not kidding you. The clip is out there. Mm. All right. This is this is not about religious expression. This is about a coach yes, correct. leading students in prayer mm-hmm. while wearing yes. a football coach uniform yes. at the 50 yard line during a public school mm. game. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. This is so logical. Think about like I used to work for Apple, right? If I broke one of Apple's policies, I'd be fired, right? Now, can 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 I curse? Can I say fuck in my personal life? Sure. Can I say it while I'm working for Apple in front of a customer? No, no, no. And if that customer gets offended, I can lose my job. Now, is my free speech being censored? No. No, it's not. I, I still have to play by certain rules when I'm in certain scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, you know, but mm-hmm. but they but Christian nationalists li- li- like to twist this stuff. I mean, Billy Graham even said he got fired for praying. That is such a lie. He did not mm-hmm. get fired for, for praying. He did not renew his contract. Massive mm-hmm. difference. Yeah, pushing their agenda. And and you know, and that's this woman is talking to me. I'm like, listen, I'm like, there are covert, coercive control tactics people can use this coach doesn't have to explicitly say students come pray with me but through behavior and even the way you treat other players and other people that can communicate favoritism and it can coerce people into doing it like imagine if your whole team is just praying and you're not like you know and as you know in sociology like as human beings we act differently when we're around groups of people than we're actually on our own. The group that we're in and the size and the context really affects our behavior. Yeah. And it's very natural for us to conform to the pack and, or to the group. And so with that, just having that display, I think students will, and you know, of course, I'm sure this coach is praying out loud <laughs> and yes. And there are, there are, I've seen Christians use prayer to manipulate people uh, to public shame <laughs> people, really. Um, and, you know, they, I think teachers, they are, like you said, that person was saying it, they're going to bring it in the classroom, even though that's not technically what the ruling was about. Cause, you know, Christians got my DMs where they're like, I didn't say they were allowed to bring it in the classroom, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to do that. And I'm like, I know that, but they're going to. Totally. <laughs> so they are totally because totally. <laughs> they think America is a fundamentalist Christian mm. nation. That's what this yes. comes down to. Like, yes, you, you can. I'm, we're not talking about even just Christian. They, no. they, they don't think it's like it's like a liberal Protestant country. <laughs> no, no, no. They think it is a fundamentalist, mm-hmm. conservative, evangelical country, and yeah. therefore must be ruled as such. I mean, it, it is all over the place. We should we yes. should be very concerned. Mm, yes, that's definitely and. You know, I think it was back in January that I began having people wear, um, and you, you probably know what this is, called Project Blitz. Hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's changed its name now, and I'm not sure why, once they were found out. But Project Blitz is kind of like, it's, just, it's that shadow group of organizations pushing Christian nationalism. They started on the state level. Um, and the main project or it, um, goal of Project Blitz was to, you know, 
and each state have you know their organizations spread out and influence um, government on the state level by inundating so many government bills on the state level there's just so many that if if, if most of them get acts that's fine but if a few slip through the cracks then great so it's just that was a tactic um, that this group behind the scenes um, has been doing and I'll, I'll put a link to that but I know they've recent. There's a website called the Blitz Watch. They watch this organization and do updates. But I think the organization they've they've gone under a different name, and I don't know if people have figured out what that is now. And like they posted their agenda online. <laughs> they Sheesh. literally posted their agenda, and people have like downloaded it and reshared all the agendas. And I'll I'll, I'll share the links with that. It's just crazy. Yeah, uh, where they're trying to take this, and it just scares me. With now the Supreme Court of what they're going really going to try to try to take us back to the 1900s really um and it's really sad how far we're going to go back because of this majority of minorities <laughs> in the supreme court yep um and it's just it's just for me as you know when i escaped fundamentalist christianity back in january it's just so devastating then yeah. to realize that, yeah, okay, I just escaped, but hey, this ideology is now going to soon be the law of the land. Right. Wow. Yeah. And I saw, you know, I, I attended Bob Jones University um, oh. for three and a half years. Jesus. Yes. I, I was expelled back in January of this year. Um, so ever since, that's kind of, I've been very vocal about religious trauma, um, Christian nationalism, and just toxic religion in general. Um, but basically oh gosh i hate when i lose my train of thought but what did i say before bob jones <laughs> um you know i didn't sleep last night so i don't know <laughs> i didn't either like oh both are sleep deprived something about the supreme court and taking us back to the 1900s oh, talking yes, about yes. That. thank you okay i remember so there's this some kind of like facebook post or tweet that has gone viral of like it said something like this and i'm paraphrasing but it's like i never is, is saying quote um, I never thought I would see the day that, you know, America turned into Bob Jones University. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, don't say that. But it's true because, you know, at Bob Jones University, like your behavior is so controlled. Like, you know, they pre- there's just so many crazy rules like guys and girls can't touch. You can't have like same sex relationships. You can't listen to a certain amount of music. You can't watch. So, but anyways, they're just so straight on behavior and how you live your life and very controlling. And it's just scary how what consenting adults do is probably going to be criminalized. Soon. Oh, I mean, we're, we're on that path. I mean, we I, I hate to sadly. say it that way, yeah. but we're on that path. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clarence yeah. Thomas talked about it in, in one of his, uh, in his mm-hmm. concurrence. Yeah. And um, I hope we don't get there. I hope that things change, but like if mm-hmm. left unchecked, if, 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 if the domino keeps going, you know, and, and the chain uh-huh. reaction keeps going without being stopped, I think yeah. that we're on that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Like it's just, it's so crazy to me how life and our circumstances have can change so quickly. And I think the pandemic also, and also like with the Supreme Court are things in America that made us realize how fragile life yeah. is. Yeah. No, <laughs> how delicate it is. And like, we don't want to admit that. We try to pretend that everything's going to be just fine. And it was, but we, if one little thing goes out of place, it could be a domino effect. Um, and not that we need to live in fear and sadness all the time, but we do need to be aware of things and not ignore reality and let things happen like right. this. Right. Um, and so it was interesting because 
you know, after finding out about the agenda of the Supreme Court, I'm just sitting in my room, just like staring at the wall, like what in the world is going on, just processing everything. And a few days after that, um, you know, I, I, I still live in Greenville, South Carolina, where Bob Jones is at. I've moved in with um, friends and um, specifically, like I met a family my freshman year at Bob Jones and they've really been great. And they took me in once I was expelled, but uh, they were talking to me last week and they were like, Andrew, they're like, we're thinking about moving to Canada. They're like, would you want to go with us? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes like where do i sign up <laughs> yes i'm like you know it's like it makes you sad though because i know not everyone is going to have that option yeah for people who are going to be oppressed and this white um supremacist cis male agenda really yeah. and and you know and, and it's not for certain yet that i'm moving there but they tell me they're like we'll see how the 2024 election goes and yeah. i'll determine i'm like okay yeah. i'm like we'll see and like it's just now it's comforting to know that I can have that backup plan, but it's just, I still feel bad. I know, cause I know the people that will be stuck here. And, um, and I think, you know, when the Supreme court rolls back all those rights, um, it's going to be really, it, it can happen. It will happen, but it's going to take a long time to get them back and to go forward again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so and, and like, you know, like you were saying earlier about the Christian nationalism, like I grew up in a, the same kind of church, like always talking about how we need fundamentalists in the government and how America would be um, so great and that people don't know what's best for them. They can't make their own decisions. They're lost and that they know what's best. Right. Um, and, and this is very like superior, like supremacist ideology and thinking um, behind it. And it's just really, really scary how america is going to change but the th thing is like a majority of america does not agree um with the supreme court its views and does not agree with um, christian nationalism so i think um you know we've already seen a lot of protests across america already yeah. Yeah. happening and the people have been speaking up so we'll see um what change can happen um yeah and yeah. you know, like people, we need to vote. <laughs> we need to vote. Absolutely. And I know, I know it's easy to think that your vote doesn't matter, but if imagine if everyone who thought their vote didn't matter decided that their vote did, like that would be it's a collective thing yes. that we need to come together and do. Yeah. Um, but what what important lessons have you learned, Tim, as you've gone through your deconstruction and the reconstruction of your faith? Um, to hold my, my new theological beliefs a little bit looser, um, mm. you know, to loosen up a little bit and recognize that maybe even some other religions have some really wise words to say that we can learn yes. from. Mm. Um, I think, that, I think that's a real big one. And just realizing that the world is so mm. much bigger than me and my perspective, you know, yes. the world does not work, um, how I think it, it, it used mm. to work yeah. and that I have a responsibility to do everything I can to repent and, you mm. know, and to go the other way. And that's how I see a lot of my work now. It's just my, my, my repentance of saying, sorry, um, that was a mistake. I want to go yeah. the other way now and, and, mm. and, and bring as many people along with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, that's an, that's a very interesting way of looking at it. Cause I don't think that's common to be gen evangelicals to be like, oh my gosh, like, I need to treat people better. I need to do better. And no, I need to, no. <laughs> that's not no, no. evangelicalism. And again, we, we both say this as people who have grown up steeped 
yes. in these cultures. So we're not, I'm not, I'm on the outside looking in here. I mean, I, yeah, I was, uh-huh, I yes. was part of a promoted it, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but they, there's, there's a real uh, um, inability to self-reflect. Oh, there there's is. an inability mm. to say, you know, what if we got this wrong? Like, you yeah. know, a lot of gay people are really killing themselves at higher rates in our churches statistically. Yeah. Maybe we should rethink our theology. No, no, no. It's nope. They're just not conforming the right uh, way. Nope. They're just not following the right way. Mm. That's what it comes down to. I mean, there yeah. is such a, a, a lack of, of humility mm-hmm. in these spaces. Um, and all we could do is, is call mm-hmm. it out, you know, and, and yeah. take it. Yeah. And so what advice do you have for Christians who are still, stuck in these toxic environments, but still they, they don't like um, the approach to Christianity of what they're involved with. But for someone yeah. who wants to uh, reconstruct a different kind of approach to faith and more healthy, what advice do you have for this? Yeah. You know, I mean, that was me. I, my, my, my church told me to either stop serving on worship team or stop doing this work. So I uh, understand wow. I was in that circle for a long time. Um, it's a mixed bag. Um, it depends mm-hmm. on the situation, but we definitely, we definitely need people on the inside to try and change things. I have mm-hmm. friends who are like, I love your work. You know, yeah. people don't really know that, but I love your work and uh, I'm trying to change things. I'm like, that's great yeah. for sure. There are some people who are like, I need to get out, then get out. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're yeah. being harmed in your church, if you're being oh, yes. gaslit, like mm-hmm. you need to get out. Yeah. Um, but if you're there and you're like, listen, I know this is bullshit. I know that we have problems, but I think that we can try and like change it from the inside out. I'm all about it. I mm-hmm. talk to pastors all the time who feel like they can't say what they really feel like because mm-hmm. of, of how the tithes attach to their income, et cetera. Oh, so wow, I, yeah. I, I get that, you know? Um, but I would also say, lastly, educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Read the book, The Color of Compromise by Jamar. Uh, yeah. Read the book, Jesus and John Wayne. Uh, yes. Oh, um, so good. You know, yeah. Read the book, uh, If God if God Breathes, Why Can't I? by Dr. Angela Parker on Womanist mm-hmm. Theology. Read James Cone. I mean, you want your mind blown. Read James Cone, the father of Black Liberation Theology. Read The Cross mm-hmm. and Lynching Tree. Read, read Black Theology and Black Power. Read those books. That will start mm-hmm. shifting how you see things. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on the show. Is there anything else you would like to say before we end this episode? Thank you for having me. I'm going to take a long <laughs> nap. I'm looking forward to that. Same here. <laughs> I'm Same so here. tired. It's Same. not just this interview, but I have two kids. I have a two-year-old and a two-month, yeah. three-month-old. And yeah. like last night, man, it was my wife and I were just tag team. And like, oh, you're up, you're up. And I'm just, oh, shit. I, I can't wait to take it. <laughs> Oh, I understand. Like saying I'm so sleep deprived from work and balancing life and school. Uh, I feel that dude. I do. Um, so I know like I'm, I'm going, I'm going to be taking a two hour now. Enjoy it. Solidarity. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, thank you uh, for coming on and everyone who's listening. Um, I'll link his socials, um, below and that episode from his show that he was talking about earlier. Thank you everyone for listening to speaking up with Andrew Pledger. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon. And the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.